Hello, my name's Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, Discord over Spotify. The streaming giant is coming in for flack over proposals to cut revenue for small independent artists. The idea is that tracks which would otherwise account for the lowest 0.5% of royalty payments will be demonetized. We're going to hear from Amelia Fletcher. Amelia has played in a host of well-loved indie bands, Tallulah Gosh, Heavenly. She currently plays as a vocalist and keyboard player with the Swansea Sound and Catenary Wires. She's the co-founder of Skepwax Records. She's also an economics professor, expert in competition policy based at the University of East Anglia. We're also going to hear from one of Spotify's satisfied customers, Jack Clothier, who's co-founder of the successful indie label Alcapop Records. Welcome both. And Amelia, just so that people can get their heads around what Spotify is proposing, just talk us through this demonetization idea. So demonetization is a long word, but it basically means stopping paying people that are below a critical number of streams per year. There hasn't been an explicit statement of what this number of streams is, but the talk is that it's a thousand streams per track per year. And then that is justified on the basis that on average, people that are below that level, those tracks are making maybe five cents per month per track. And isn't that so little as to not be worth it? And it does sound kind of sensible, that view. But actually, if you think about the marginal cutoff point of a thousand streams, if you're just below that, then that's kind of five dollars a year if you've got an album of 10 tracks that are around that that's kind of 50 dollars per year if you've got four albums that's kind of 200 dollars per year if you're a small label with maybe 50 artists bubbling around that point that could be in the tens of thousands of dollars per year so I think it sounds really tiny but it's potentially quite big for at least some small labels and they are some of the small labels in local areas particular small genres labels that are trying to break new bands not maybe as successfully as Alcopop do because their streaming numbers are very high but in these smaller areas those thousands of dollars could be critical both to those labels staying afloat but also to the being able to invest in two or three new bands each year. Do we know what will happen to that money? The claim is that that money will be reshared amongst the remaining 99.5% of the tracks. So the bigger artists that are more popular will get a little bit more money, a tiny bit more money. And you have an issue with this over and above your role as a musician and as the head of a record label. Wearing your competition policy hat at UAE, you've got concerns about the dominant position of Spotify and you feel that this is an abuse of that dominant position. Yeah, essentially, there is very little choice for artists than to put their music on Spotify and the other streaming sites, but particularly Spotify because it's got such a big position in the market. If you want your music to be heard by listeners... In the digital world where people no longer necessarily buy CDs and albums, then there really is very little choice. And therefore, people, even if they're not going to get any money whatsoever, will be putting their tracks up on Spotify. And I think that shows 
the market power, the people are willing to do it for nothing. And I think there's a general principle in competition law that if you've provided something of economic value, then you should gain the economic reward for that. And, you know, you could argue this isn't economic value. These are just people in their bedrooms making music, some amazing music. Huge hits have come out of people making music in their bedrooms on a part-time basis. And if there wasn't any economic value, they wouldn't be getting any streams and they wouldn't be getting any money. So there must be some economic value in there. And Spotify, in its official pronouncement, talks about seeking to connect creators with fans to empower creators to live off their art. Now, you may not live off the sums of money that we're talking about if you get fewer than a thousand streams, but it could be the building block to a career in music. Yeah, so Spotify talks about that, and they're increasingly talking about real creators and real musicians. And I think that's quite a dangerous route to go down because you can justify potentially this sort of change by saying we're going to take the money away from you know all these bedroom creators and give it to the real musicians that are really concentrating their lives on that but that's a little bit tantamount to saying you know we're going to just pay our full-time members of staff and not paying our part-time staff I mean I just don't think it's fair and I don't think it's pro-competitive either because you know those part-time members of staff can really in the future play an incredibly important role. And Jack, obviously, you're not Spotify. You are the spokesperson for Alcapop Records. <laughs> and do you know what? I think Amelia makes really, really strong points, especially in the sort of worst case scenario, mentioning that whole thing about sort of labels having a catalogue of stuff that's sort of hitting 500 to 900 streams. I'd take issue with the figures slightly. I think it's more like $3 for a thousand rather than five. So I think in terms of sort of the way it all adds up, then it might be slightly lower than Amelia suggested. But I do think she makes a really strong point in terms of worst case scenario. But sorry, Adrian, I interrupted you there entirely to come in with that. So no, I was just going to say, though, you are broadly supportive of what Spotify are doing. Tell me why. So I think Spotify, and obviously, I'm not here to champion everything about Spotify. There are lots of issues we could go into. And I think this podcast could go on for weeks if we were to delve everywhere about it. But what I will say is that for a small indie label, and, and I ought to point out we are very much an indie label you know there's no sort of major label funding here it was very much start the label with a small loaf my dad gambled on football that we sort of built up over the years so we are genuinely independent and Spotify have been very positive to us over the years I think the way they allow people to pitch via Spotify for artists into the playlist is strong I will say there's a really inventive interested and engaged team at Spotify who are looking at the playlist to help things. I mean, we've had recent massive successes with the likes of Problem Patterns, Heavy Lungs, bands like that who are dits, who have managed to sort of get onto playlists from a very small start and sort of have that as a big sort of part of where they're coming up with the label. So Spotify have really positive things whereby we can apply, and all labels can apply, to have a meeting with their team. You know, if you can sell the dream of what your artists are doing and sort of say, look, here's the plot, here's what they're all about, then you can have these playlist meetings where you can kind of sit in with them and play them through the songs and say, look, these are great. I think these should be sort of part of your punk list, your your rock list and all of that kind of stuff. So for us, Spotify has been a very sort of positive force. I always, and, and this really does show my age, but I always hark back to those MySpace days where we put everything up on MySpace for nothing. And it was brilliant that people would be able to come in and listen to the songs and we could kind of proliferate from there. And I feel like Spotify are doing the biz when it comes to 
being able to sell physical stuff as well a little bit you know they're trying to improve that integration linking in with shopify various other things so that when you are listening to new stuff on spotify you are being encouraged to push out and buy the vinyl buy the cd go and see where their tour dates are all of that kind of stuff so i feel like while this is it's certainly not a sort of one side or the other argument i do feel there's a real nuance in what spotify do and i think there are plenty of positives to be taken away as well as the negatives and Spotify are perhaps famous for their algorithms, whereby if you listen to one particular artist, if you choose, you can then be directed to other similar artists within that genre or style. And you're telling me something I hadn't realised, that Spotify has human curators who you can pitch to, who you can talk with. So that's some of Spotify's investment, which in your case is in new talent, emerging talent. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and as I say, I mean, it's not as easy as just sort of pop them an email, but to be able to open that line of discussion through pitching the band, because I mean, you know, Spotify, obviously, if they were on the end of an email to every single up and coming artist, that would be an imposing inbox, I think. So yeah, for us, it's great. And, and as I say, I think the points Amelia were making were really strong in terms of there is the possibility that if you're just under that threshold in quite a lot of albums, you could lose some money. But in all of the sort of research I've done into it, a lot of that money is being lost. I was speaking to my partner the other day, actually, you had an independent label. And I, I won't say who a distributor are, but I think she said they have a $50 minimum to be able to take that money out. So she has sort of $14, $15 that I sit in that account and will sit into that account forever, you know, because she's moved on to do other things. And it's kind of that $14, $15, I imagine they'll eventually shut her account, take that money. There's also something that's been mentioned a little bit that is something that has always got to me is that sort of gaming the system. So I don't know how au fait you are with how Spotify pay. And that's basically for anything over 30 seconds, that will count as a stream and that will pay. So a lot of unscrupulous types have put up long, either old audio that maybe they've just kind of been able to use and split into 30 second chunks or uh, silence that split into 30 second chunks and have been sort of gaming that system by uploading stacks of tracks getting paid very small amounts that all add up and kind of taking away money from actual artists which i always think is a bit of a uh, unscrupulous and devious act and it seems to me that spotify are at least doing what they can to take that pool of revenue and try and just distribute it more fairly as i say there are definitely cases of people who will lose out on this and that is a shame and as I say I'm broadly pro-positive but I can certainly see those negatives as well but I feel like for the overall good and for those musicians who are sort of struggling you know needing that extra fiver to get the petrol in the tank to go and play those shows and buy those t-shirts to sell on the road I do think it will broadly help them. So it isn't just a case that, I don't know, if Catenary Wires, Amelia's fantastic band, don't quite meet the threshold, the royalties from that band will go to Ed Sheeran. It's Those royalties might go to one of your emerging band's problem patterns, a band who are touring and who might then become a little bit more viable as a result of the redirection of these royalties. Yeah, a good proportion of them will go to Ed Sheeran as well. He doesn't need it, does he? <laughs> you know, maybe he could just sort of push his Spotify earnings back to all the independent artists who require it. But yeah, so that's it. And I think those little extra bits of payment into those bands are going to be so important. But what it might do that I do feel a bit sad about is I think Spotify has long encouraged bands to put up sort of bold live sets, things that are maybe in the rarities bank, maybe are sitting on uh, CDs from a long time ago. You know, those really sort of fan friendly kind of interesting things that may not become so viable now because 
their very sort of niche fan base rarities and things that will now no longer get paid. So I do think there's a potential that that might happen. So maybe the width and excitement of the sort of extra stuff that appears on Spotify might be harmed. But I guess we'll see. I've got quite a nice personal example of that, which is my old band Heavenly, which for the most part, it was above the thousand stream a year level, but, you know, bubbled around. And given the kind of low levels of money that kind of come in at that rate anyway, we could easily have decided we weren't going to put it on Spotify. What has since happened with Heavenly is one particular song went viral on TikTok And that fed over into Spotify. And that one song now has over 7 million streams, which is a brilliant thing about Spotify. You know, all hails the benefit of streaming that young people, having heard a song on TikTok, can then really get into it and the band on Spotify. But if it hadn't been there, that wouldn't have happened. And it could easily not have been there if in this new environment where there's going to be increasingly little payment for the smallest tracks. So I think that's the kind of thing that is a real risk. And I think that in that context, there's some research that's been done that shows that actually digitalization has on average been good for indie labels, because it's allowed these little tracks potentially to suddenly break out relatively more easily than used to be the case in the past. And I just really worry that this thousand stream could easily be the thin end of the wedge. They could easily increase this over time. So there's a kind of principled point here as well. And I just worry that this is, as I say, the thin end of the wedge of essentially the major labels taking back control um, and making it harder again. And you've got monopolies within monopolies. We're not talking about literal monopolies here. There are rivals to Spotify. Apple Music, Deezer and so on, as well as Bandcamp, which represents a lot of independent bands but it is number one by a long way in this field and within the UK we then have three major record labels who can sign their own deals with Spotify so I suppose the ultimate fear is that smaller artists independent artists will get trampled by big tech and by big commercial interests. Yeah, and I think that's been a worry ever since we figuratively opened our record label doors. And I think the beauty of the independent sector, and this is something that I always feel very strongly about, is that we, I say we as a as a sort of loose collective who may not all agree with me, but have the power to pivot, to change, to take our tracks down, to move them elsewhere. When something's not happening, we can kind of start something else. And I feel like the power of independent music shouldn't be underestimated, to be honest. I feel like Spotify and the other play, yeah, they've got a huge monopoly and it's a brilliant, I don't know the, the term, my, my CV is uh, it's sadly not quite as impressive as it really is. Um, but, you know, I do feel that as an independent sector, we have the power to move, to the power to change and the power to shift things around if required. And if Spotify becomes a place just for the majors, we'll move on. We'll go elsewhere. You know, I genuinely think that what they're doing here at the moment, at a thousand streams, for the reasons I've spoken about, I think feels broadly positive, although potentially with those negatives. But if they start to push it, if a thousand becomes two and a half thousand, if two and a half becomes five, becomes 10, and those editorial places kind of sizzle away, we'll move on. We'll do something else. Amelia, I did want to focus a little bit on competition and competition law. How monopolistic, in your view, is Spotify? I think Spotify has a very strong market position, and I think it is arguably dominant, which is the kind of legal test for whether a certain area of law called abusive dominance law 
applies. And so then the question is this abuse of their dominance. And I think it is a delicate case because, you know, there are pros and cons around the 1000 stream level. But I think in terms of the thin end of the wedge argument, if this was actually two and a half, three thousand, five thousand, I actually think the case would be pretty easy. And I think therefore you come back and you think, well, even at one thousand, isn't the economics really broadly the same? And therefore, isn't this still a decent case? Now, whether it's a case that any competition authority would want to take up and run is a very different question. They always have to prioritise and they're always trying to think about how they use their resources as well as they possibly can. And at the 1000 level, they maybe won't decide to prioritise something. That's obviously for them. But I don't think that means it isn't a breach of the law. It just means it's not a breach of the law that they would enforce. I would also highlight that there is the potential for private action. If a set of complainants could persuade a private court that this was an abuse of dominance. Now, I've written this letter to Spotify to say that I'm very concerned about the change. I'm absolutely in no way threatening private action or any sort of further action. I was just really hoping that they would reconsider. But do you believe personally, based on your experience, both as a professor and as a musician and as a label owner, that this is an abuse of a dominant position? I don't think it's a slam dunk case, but I think there is a reasonable case to be made. Jack makes the point about people gaming the system, people uploading birdsong, white noise, or getting their mom to just play their streams on repeat in order to qualify for some kind of royalty. Do you accept that it can be quite easily gamed? Yeah. I mean, I think there's two kinds of gaming. I think the 31 second gaming is one particular issue that actually Deezer has decided, for example, to address by making its own versions of a lot of that stuff, like birdsong and wheels turning and things, but it will be their own versions that are not monetized. So they've chosen that different way of getting around that. I think the thing about getting your mum to play music, well, that's one thing. That's not going to get you very far. But I think there is greater fraud by people getting bots to play music or just paying people to play their music but not actually listen to it. That kind of fraud is serious and apparently it accounts for about 10% of streams and I do think it should be dealt with. I would say that this demonetization doesn't actually do that at all because if these people were actually fraudulent, they might actually be getting above the 1,000 stream level. If anything, it incentivizes fraud more so you can get to above that level. I think the way to deal with that fraud is either what they're already claiming they're going to do, which is to penalize it very heavily if they find it, or to move to a new system of payment, which is called the user-centric payment system, whereby each user, their particular subscription gets split up amongst the tracks that they actually listen to. And what that means is, you know, I listen to a whole bunch of indie stuff and some 60s girl groups. Only those bands would be getting my subscription money. And what that means is fraud gets a lot harder because if you have a bot that's listening to a gazillion tracks each month, each of those tracks will only get a gazillionth of the amount that that bot paid. Yeah, that's an interesting concept then, isn't it? Then, So you pay your monthly subscription to Spotify, they take out their service charge, their admin fee or whatever, and under this proposal, the rest of your money, of your subscription, goes only to the music you have listened to. 
I think that's a great shout. And I believe Tidal were experimenting with something along those kind of lines where I think you could pay a sort of additional bit of subscription that then went only to the band you listen to most, which is a really nice idea. And I think something that people would be A, super up for, B, would benefit the sort of bands that all of us work with. And I think could be a really interesting way of looking at it. Also agree that the streaming farm thing is a total issue. And I know from what I've heard, they are working really hard to crack down some of the bigger streaming farms, but it's a definite issue and it's really unfair. And it's part of the problem with this model. So yeah, hopefully they can continue to make inroads in cracking down on that, as well as these kind of gaming 30 second white noises that have been plugging up the royalties for a while. I'm just looking at Spotify's own website, Jack, and see that for the quarter to October 24th, 2023, they made 32 million euros profit and they are wealthy enough to sponsor the new Camp Barcelona FC's home stadium. Is there an argument that Spotify, great streaming service though it is from a user point of view, is simply taking too much overall from the artists who provide its wealth? Yes, potentially for sure. Um, and I can't argue either way, really, having not looked at the figures. All I'll say that the last team we sponsored were the Oxford City Stars ice hockey team. So I think they are uh, beating us a little bit in terms of that kind of cash. I don't know the deeper finances of Spotify, but I am, of course, always up for more money for artists, more money for independents and more money for records, really. I was having a look at the stats before this call and 80% of our streaming revenue, give or take, month after month after month is through Spotify, which is huge. And it's not like we don't get support from Apple Music and Deezer, who, again, have great editorial people who are very interested and speak to you and will support songs they love. But yeah, it just doesn't cut through like Spotify do. And it's interesting to me as well that for whatever we see on Twitter or X or Threads or whatever about Spotify boycotts, and we've seen a fair few of them over the last year or two, I can tell you from the streaming figures, they never, ever shift. You know, there's no sort of downturn when everybody is sort of saying, right, we're going to boycott Spotify. Over we go to Tidal. You never see a shift in the streams, which I guess is perhaps more about what people say on social media than anything else. But it's the behemoth of the streaming scene. It is brilliant to use. And this is purely from a punter's point of view. The introduction of audiobooks recently has been incredible for me. And I know that opens up all of its own cans of worms with various other issues. So <laughs> I am speaking only as a punter. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very easy to use service. And I guess that's why it's done it. And I think that's why actually it's maybe unrealistic for us to say if Spotify starts behaving badly, all of us indies will go off and do something else. I'm not sure we can. I think it's too popular with a too wide a set of listeners. We can try, but I don't know if anything else can really challenge it. I don't know. I just feel there's always a way when it comes to indie, you know. We started 15 years ago and it was kind of CDs, no digital, completely different. And everything shifted because of the ways the market is gone. And I just feel the flexibility is there. But yeah, from a pragmatic point of view, you are probably entirely right. Amelia, I suppose the issue is, isn't it, because of that strength, which is part of the argument you're making around competition law, is that as an artist, you may feel that you can't live with it because if you're a small indie artist, it's not generating any cash and he's even less likely to do so now. Can't live with it, can't live without it because it is such an important portal, a gateway for listeners. I think that's exactly right. That's the heart of the problem. Where do we go from here then, Amelia? You've written your letter. You're unhappy with this proposal. 
as I understand it, something like half the artists now who stream to Spotify will get zero royalty as a result of this. Is there anything beyond writing angry letters, appearing on podcasts like this that you can do? Any sign of any movement politically? I think that someone could certainly take a competition case. I think there's also an interesting thing about whether we need better legislation. So actually, there's two sets of rights holders in music. There is the people that write the songs, and they are represented by publishers, and they have copyright in those songs. So there's a legislative framework around copyright. And I don't know whether... Spotify or even legally allowed to demonetize that aspect of this tranche of songs, because I think it would be a breach of copyright law, but I'm not a copyright lawyer. But on the other side, we have the people that perform the songs and the labels that put them out. And currently that accounts for about 50% of the payout of royalties from Spotify. And they don't have the same legal position in terms of their rights. They don't have copyright in anything. And so it's those people that can be demonetized currently because they don't have any position in law to protect themselves. So I think that one could think about introducing legislation that puts their rights into law in the same way as songwriters' rights are in law. Well, we'll see if anybody's willing to uh, take on the streaming behemoth or whether any MP is willing to take up the cause of the small independent artist. In the meantime, I can personally vouch for the brilliance of Alcapop Records products. I can vouch for the wonders of Skepwax products and uh, encourage you to support independent artists wherever they may be. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Amelia. I'm Adrian Goldberg. This has been a We Bring Audio production for the Byline Times, produced by me and Harvey White in Birmingham. We'll see you again very soon. Just to say, if you want to support this podcast, don't forget to take out a subscription to another great independent, the Byline Times. We've got a fantastic monthly newspaper. You can get it on some selected newsstands now, but to make sure of a copy, do take out a subscription. Head over to bylinetimes.com to get full details. As I say, that supports this podcast too. Get more at bylinetimes.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again very soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye.